Welcome to Doc to Doc podcast. My name is Abbas Shafi, gastroenterologist. And I'm Rob Hoyer, medical oncologist. This is a podcast about lifestyle medicine, disease prevention, and longevity. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not medical advice. Please consult your physician for individualized therapies. Hi there. Welcome to today's podcast where we're going to talk about the pancreas and pancreas diseases, including pancreas cancer. I'll let uh, my good friend and colleague Abbas kick it off with a discussion about the anatomy and function of the pancreas. We're so happy to be recording again in person. And Abbas? Um, Thank you, Rob. Uh, The pancreas is uh, located behind the stomach in uh, left upper uh, abdomen. Uh, It is a solid organ, which is uh, surrounded by small intestine, liver, and spleen. It is spongy in nature, and uh, it uh, uh, produces both exocrine and endocrine um, to uh, help digestion as well as uh, um, regulate our blood sugar. To understand the function of the pancreas, we need to um, recap the digestion. As we eat uh, food and break it down by our mouth and transfer to the esophagus, the first encounter in the stomach is by uh, multiple enzymes as well as acid to break down the food. And subsequently, this food, when it's liquefied and breaking down, moves to the duodenum, which is the first part of uh, uh, small intestine. While there, the pancreas as well as bile, um, by producing uh, um, bicarbonate, the uh, severe acidity of the stomach uh, content get neutralized. Pancreas produces about one and a half liter of bicarbonate as well as multiple enzymes. Um, these enzymes uh, are uh, break down the, the certain. Uh, um, particle of the uh, food digestion um, as well as uh, the fat. Uh, each uh, uh, enzyme that is uh, produced uh, in the pancreas is in uh, pre-packaged form as, and then get activated in the beginning of the small uh, intestine. Abbas, I just wanted to clarify, did you say 1.5 liters of bicarbonate? That's, that's a lot of fluid. That is uh, correct. That's, uh, that's an estimate. Of course, individual is different, but the pancreas produces a large amounts of pancreatic juice, mostly the external pancreas, and that um, has, uh, beside bicarbonate, many and the digestive enzyme as well. Um, that plus uh, the bile that uh, starts from the liver and stored in gallbladder um, enters the duodenum at the same time. And that's somewhere between... 200 to 600 ml per day. Um, this uh, combination of this uh, will neutralize uh, uh, the stomach acidity. This way, we do not have duodenal ulcer or damage to the small intestine. As uh, you know, the for the down the, the the small intestine, the pH is neutral. It wants to get to jejunum and uh, and um, ileum. So so this is yes correct. This is large amounts of uh, enzymes. And um, the excrement enzymes um, are multiple, like trypsin and chemotrypsin. This is, breaks down the protein 
amylase for carbohydrate and lipase uh, for uh, fat. So uh, this way, uh, the further breakdown of the uh, uh, food content that we have, these are all prepared to for absorption as uh, as a cellular level. Uh, so further, we can uh, uh, use them for energy uh, in our body. Abbas, we hear a lot about diseases of the pancreas, like pancreatitis and endocrine problems. Could you describe a couple of those? Sure. Um, let's um, go back a little bit. We'll talk about the the endocrine function, and then we'll tie it all together. Um, the, commonly, 95% of the um, pancreas is the exocrine, and the 5% that um, function as endocrine, which means these are hormones. They're not secreted to the small intestine, but not to, to the blood. And that's mostly insulin and glucagon. And insulin uh, in our body uh, decreases uh, the blood glucose and allows the glucose to um, enter uh, the cell. And glucagon does opposite. It, it raises our uh, uh, blood sugar. Um, the proper management of the blood glucose is essential for uh, most of our body organ functions, such as brain, heart, uh, kidneys, uh, uh, liver, as well as any other cells in our body. Uh, some of the common disorder of the pancreas that uh, we see um, is uh, pancreatitis. Pancreatitis means the inflammation uh, of the pancreas, and that can be acute, meaning something happening, or can be re repetitive and cause chronic pancreatitis. The acute pancreatitis um, mostly in Western culture is alcohol, uh, followed by um, bile uh, stone or um, by bile crystal. Um, but however, if you look at the, the textbook, many other uh, etiology, uh, which is considered less than 10% of that, can include medicine, trauma, um, uh, elevated um, triglyceride, which one of the lipids, um, spider venom, uh, as well as uh, many other uh, things can cause uh, the remaining of the acute uh, pancreatitis. But majority uh, is the, the alcohol and um, sludge or crystal can, can cause that. Just curious um, about pancreatitis, and it's really interesting about the spider venom. I didn't know about that one. How much alcohol is it? Is it more of a amount of alcohol in, in drinks or grams that will cause pancreatitis, or is it different for different different individuals? It's mostly we see it in binge drinking. So, so the to produce um, pancreatitis, you need at least have um, six drink in one setting, and um, commonly when people drink intermittently, they produce large amounts of. Uh, uh, exocrine at one time as well as uh, um, many uh, uh, secretion include a lot of mucin as well as other protein then consequently they get a temporary probably uh, pressure build up in the pancreatic duct and cause the activation of those enzymes when those pancreatic enzymes involved these are made for digestion of the food then start uh, digesting the pancreas and causes acute inflammation um, uh, with uh, uh, these enzymes as well as the um, uh, triglyceride and other uh, type of the uh, fatty necrosis around the pancreas and that's consequences develop uh, acute uh, pancreatitis. Um, uh, the repeated uh, 
um, alcoholic, they get intermittent pancreatitis and then subsequently um, uh, will end up with chronic pancreatitis, which can cause both exocrine as well as endocrine insufficiency. The other causes of uh, chronic pancreatitis sometimes is, is in, uh, familial um, and in, inherited. Um, the, the other one uh, sometimes uh, we see with um, autoimmune uh, pancreatitis, which is more of an autoimmune disease, uh, and, and the treatment of those uh, um, are uh, longevity for enzyme replacement as well as uh, um, uh, close monitoring of the blood glucose and replacement with uh, uh, insulin as well as sometimes the blood sugar is too low, they need to carry glucagon with them as well. The chronic pancreatitis or, or exhaustion of the uh, the endocrine uh, can cause uh, uh, diabetes. If this is for uh, or consumption uh, of the food, um, uh, then the pancreas try to produce uh, more um, insulin, um, but then the downregulation or exhaustion of the receptor, that's called type uh, 2 diabetes. However, um, the type 1 is when the pancreas does not produce adequate insulin. Uh, that could be uh, um, juvenile onset or adult onset. Uh, th and those people, they need um, insulin re replacement for um, monitoring or, or keeping the glucose appropriate in their blood vessels. Beside the uh, acute and chronic pancreatitis, as you know, uh, there are uh, other uh, uh, disordered pancreas, which commonly we, these days we see them sometimes uh, incidentally on the imaging, um, but sometimes, of course, uh, based on the uh, patient's symptoms. Um, Rob, can you go through some of the uh, finding on this uh, benign versus uh, neoplastic uh, or malignant uh, uh, masses that we see in the pancreas? So there are quite a few of these, and these are something that we do encounter fairly commonly in in clinical practice, a lot of times these are picked up on imaging, either CT, which is a CAT scan or MRI scan of the abdomen, and we'll see a little mass in the pancreas. And of course, we need to figure out what it is. Is it cancer? Is it is it or what we call pre-malignant tumor of the pancreas? Um, there's two that we see most commonly. One is the the mucinous cystic neoplasm, and that's in the it's called the body and tail of the pancreas. And that's often most seen in women between ages 40 and 50. And another one that we see also pretty commonly is called the introductal papillary mucinous neoplasm, what we call the IPMN. And that's, that's a, um, occurs in the head of the pancreas usually, and it's found in both men and women, um, in, in older, older men and women, 60s or 70s. Uh, there are also what's called neuroendocrine tumors of the pancreas, and these can be both benign and malignant. And there, some of these are secretory and some are not secretory. So some of the, um, the, um, the, the things that Abbas was just talking about with the insulin and glucagon, these neuroendocrine tumors can, can actually make. And so, for example, um, there's what's called the gastronoma, which secretes a... a um, a hormone called gastrin and that can cause ulcers in the stomach there's something called an insulinoma which can make insulin 
and uh, there's a glucagonoma, which can make glucagon. And um, uh, this, uh, just by the way, this is, um, so Steve Jobs had a neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas, which was malignant and spread to his liver. That's why he needed to get a liver transplant, just wanted to mention that. But these are oftentimes slower growing tumors of the uh, pancreas and usually can be cured with surgery if caught early. Yeah, a lot of times we uh, get a referral from the primary care radiologist and patient panics that they have a, um, a mass in their pancreas. And of course, everybody worries about the um, classic pancreatic cancer. But um, uh, even these are very rare, but uh, these are all have to be investigated and make sure that uh, um, all of these growths are whether B9. B9 means these growths are instantly and very seldom uh, they grow, but uh, uh, some of them potentially for slow uh, malignancy. But uh, you know, the biggest worry that, of course, we always worry about is the, the malignant pancreatic cancer. So we can get into some of the risk factors for pancreas cancer. And so it's important to start out saying that uh, pancreas cancer uh, cannot always be prevented. There are likely genetic uh, conditions that are associated with probably about 20 to 30 percent of of pancreas cancers but like many of the diseases that we talk about on the podcast there are certainly some things that that individuals can do to try to reduce their risk and so we'll, we'll talk about some of the more common well well known uh, risk factors for pancreas cancer so the the two biggest ones are quite modifiable alcohol and uh, and tobacco and uh, tobacco um, so about doubles the risk of getting pancreas cancer and as Abbas mentioned alcohol particularly binge drinking chronic pancreatitis is clearly associated with pancreas cancer there's a clear link between pancreas cancer and obesity and diabetes and it, it, it there's clearly some overlap there as many individuals who are diabetic are also obese but those are some of the certainly the risk factors, and those are things that we can we can modify. And um, um, there's a possible link between processed meats like bacon and um, sugary drinks. Um, so just uh, that's not been confirmed, but there has some, been some interesting studies that have shown a possible link between some of those some of those things. So it's um, so. Again, there are there do seem to be lifestyle there are lifestyle factors that are associated with a lower risk of pancreas cancer. It's um, and so it's something that we can we do have some some control over how how we can try to reduce our risk of this condition. Yeah, the pancreatic cancer that commonly we see it starts from the um, the duct, so it's mostly an exocrine um, tumor, and uh, based on the location of the, uh, the 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 lesion, the prognosis as well as the symptoms are different. The one that is uh, commonly in the head of the pancreas, which can cause uh, different symptoms than than in the tail. Um, the if they are close to the what they call bile duct, where the bile drains commonly um, jaundice, which people become yellow and start uh, uh, having pruritus or itching, um, beside weight loss. Uh, those are uh, the, the symptoms and sometimes uh, for anorexia may cause uh, depression uh, and commonly they, if they're associated with pain it usually um, is in the back but the tail of the pancreas unfortunately or the body tail those are um, commonly 
they do not uh, have early symptoms and by the time we diagnose them usually have them uh, uh, um, poor prognosis so let's talk a little bit about the incidence of this disease and so in 2022 it's expected that in the u.s we'll see about 62,000 cases of pancreas cancer and it's kind of, pancreas cancer is some interesting statistics and um really some of the some of the really hard um when you hear these numbers it's just really sad and when we see when you see these patients with pancreas cancer it's really challenging but we're continuing to work hard and move forward to to try to detect this disease earlier and and get better treatments for it so it's in terms of the ranking it's it's the 11th most common type of cancer but it's the third most common cause of cancer-related death in the U.S. and pancreas cancer, it the uh, it, it the risk of pancreas cancer increases with age. But if you look at the age-adjusted incidence of pancreas cancer, it's actually going up by about half a percent per year. So it's not it, it doesn't sound like much, but that's per, per year. So probably it's estimated by 2030. Pancreas cancer will be the second most common cause of cancer-related death in the United States, which is kind of crazy, actually, when you just the the cumulative increase in the incidence. And my 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 thought is that that's probably where the lifestyle factors probably are playing, huge role, are playing yes. a role, because our genetics are not changing by the year. Our genetics right. change over t- thousands of years, but not by the year. So it's probably a lifestyle factor: diabetes, obesity, smoking, alcohol, alcohol smoking. Right. Yeah, probably a big, right. big component. Yeah, it's uh, you know with uh, gastroesophageal reflux or colon cancer, uh, the lifestyle is even more important. But this is such a silent uh, a disease that you cannot do any um, uh, screening at present times, and uh, hopefully in future we have a better um, uh, testing to do it at. Uh, uh, that we can uh, catch it earlier as we do with, uh, you know, beret esophagus or colon polyps. And so we will have a, uh, a sort of a precursor or early diagnosis. Hopefully that will um, come into the better uh, uh, detection and, and early treatment. So if someone comes to you, Abbas, with, with symptoms of um, that you suspect um, might be pancreas cancer. What what are the, what do they often report? What do you what do you see in the clinic? Uh, well, commonly, of course, you know, compared to colon cancer and esophageal cancer, these are when they come in. Um, usually, in, not all the time at, at the later stage. If they if they're with the head of the pancreas, then then of course we uh, look at the imaging to do um, CT scan or MRI to d- define. Um, uh, how big uh, the tumor it is, as uh, uh, and then uh, commonly we pursue to endoscopic ultrasound to see if there is any invasion uh, to the uh, surrounding structure vessels, as well as we look at the uh, the, the larvae data such as uh, uh, protein or tumor markers C19-9. So we put all that together, um, and then uh, uh, based on those findings, then. Will uh, if it's within the head of the pancreas or if it's small in the tail, and is a surgically um, candidate, then then uh, we do the tumor uh, conference as you know, 
and this, this, what the best for the patient is whether surgery um, or um, surgery plus chemo radiation or um, the palliative procedure to at least uh, uh, prevent them from um, severe uh, itching as well as uh, jaundice and to relieve their temporary symptoms. Um, so those are all um, in the uh, decision making that we do with the patient. And when, as you mentioned, when, when we meet in these conferences, we call them, call them tumor boards. We often have that conversation about, do we start with surgery? Do we do chemotherapy or radiation? And it really has to do with the stage of the disease. But it, with in the last, especially the last five years or so, we've been using much more upfront chemotherapy just because of the, with imaging, it's often hard to fully grasp the extent of invasion. The macro. Right, exactly. So it's often invading blood vessels that you didn't think it, it, it was invading on the CAT scan or the MRI or even the endoscopic ultrasound. And so we'll often use chemotherapy up front and um, then do, after we can treat the, the pancreas uh, tumor, then we'll remove it surgically. It's interesting though, the pancreas is, it, sometimes the tumor doesn't even change size, but it's actually been treated by chem- with chemotherapy, but it's it's almost... It's almost has a situation. It's almost scarred in, into the pancreas, and so the tumor actually doesn't doesn't shrink. But when you look at it under the microscope, you can see there's been a response to the chemotherapy. Yeah, pancreatic surgery is so difficult because the location where it is, it's uh, as mentioned earlier, is is located underneath the stomach between spleen, liver, and small intestine. So there's many busy. Um, uh, area with a lot of vessels, nerves, um, um, as uh, so the so the common surgery for that is called Whipple procedure, which is an extensive uh, uh, surgery. But um, for the appropriate patient, uh, um, it does uh, has benefit. But you do not want to go under this uh, aggressive surgery if uh, the patient is not curative, and, and then also their lifestyle will change after that surgery as well. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah we, we com- very much are very selective about when, when and we recommend pancreas surgery just because of the, as you mentioned, all the lifestyle factors and, and it changes the ability uh, to um, how much a, a person can eat and there's all sorts of different um, changes that occur in, just from the uh, changing the anatomy of the um, usually we can preserve a, a remnant of the pancreas with the surgery so that person does not need to have uh, to, to have insulin therapy but if we do a total pancreatectomy complete removal of the pancreas then they have to, and the patients have to be on insulin because they, they're type 1 diabetics at that point as well as enzymes replacement for digestion yep Thank of you. the food and the diet changes as well. So, so, so today is uh, with uh, having the luxury of um, having the tumor board and having the surgeon, having the oncologist, GI, uh, nutritionist, as well as other uh, team members to make the uh, appropriate decision for the uh, patient, as as well as better imaging. I think endoscopic ultrasound has made uh, uh, quite uh, improvement. Uh, um, on the decision making and appropriate thing for the patient, not go for surgery and find out there's uh, extensive uh, disease. Uh, so, how about some of the newer t- testing, uh, uh, Rob? Uh, that on horizon, do you have any comment on that? There, there are a couple of things, and and so 
One of the challenges of pancreas cancer is it's often diagnosed pretty late. When, when someone has symptoms from pancreas cancer, the disease is often stage three or even stage four. Stage four is metastatic, the cancer is spread. So what we need is a test that can detect this disease at stage one. The challenge is that it's not feasible to do CAT scans or MRIs on everybody right now. But um, there, there are a couple of technologies that probably will be very helpful for screening for not just pancreas cancer, but other, other diseases as well. So the first one I just want to mention is, uh, is something called uh, circulating tumor DNA. So this is detection of, the, of uh, DNA that's just floating around in the, in the bloodstream and um, from the, the cancer, it can be identified as related to cancer by what's called the methylation pattern of the, of the DNA. And um, if this is detected, that person um, has a very high chance of having a cancer. So there's a, there's a company now, it's called uh, Grail. This is not an endorsement. We're not affiliated with Grail in any way, but they are offering this test um, from, the, from your home. You can just get a um, go to they send you a kit you get a blood test send it in and it screens for i believe it's 55 different types of cancer and importantly though the cancers that are more likely to shed the dna into the into the bloodstream are the more aggressive cancers so for example early stage slow growing prostate cancer or breast cancer may not be a major health threat that may not shed dna however if someone has pancreas cancer, lung cancer, these are you know, colon cancer, these are aggressive cancers. Those are more likely to be detected by this type of testing. So um, the, the test is, is now commercially available. It's not yet covered by insurance, but my suspicion is that this is coming. So in the not too distant future, hopefully even the next year or two, it'll be commonplace for primary care to, to ask, have you had your cancer screening uh, test, a uh, blood test, and uh, this will be another addition. It's going to be an addition to the current screen, screening guidelines. So we're going to do a whole episode about the new technology for cancer screening, and we'll also talk about the biological clocks that we introduced in, in previous episodes, the, um, about looking at how the biological age of an individual. So we'll talk about that too. Yes, we don't want to be sure that we are endorsing this test, but we just want to tell you what's on horizon and some hopeful um, early detection tests in future. Um, so some of the tests, they're not paid by the insurance. They can be quite expensive. Um, and, you know, many people, they have uh, other type of abdominal pain and weight loss. We don't want to go do this test. This is um, something just uh, general information for future. And, of course, for any medical advice, you should seek your uh, primary care physician or your specialty to discuss this. This is, we want to just uh, uh, educate our audiences that um, there are new technology and new tests are coming and as well as, uh, you know, we have come a long way uh, from CT scan to MRI to endoscopic ultrasound, the ERCP, which is um, injection of dye to the pancreas and the liver. And uh, even these are, uh, the imaging techniques now we need to uh, we are hoping that in future 
may be an easier test and detecting through the DNA. So, so these are not widely available. So we don't want to run to the physician and ask for this test. These are have to be appropriately um, for uh, chosen for appropriate patient. Yeah, agree and completely. And also, uh, medical imaging is advancing. So MRI is getting faster and better. So this is also not, so full body MRI is also something that is now available. Again, it's not covered by insurance, but is something that is available. And the idea is to try to detect uh, small tumors. The problem with this kind of imaging is that it can have false positives. So that's always the challenge with medical imaging is that you may not you may find something, but it may be it may be completely nothing, and but may prompt worry, biopsies, and other other tests. tests. Yep. Yeah, we see a lot of liver cyst as well as pancreatics and some renal cyst that we pre- before imaging we would not see. And then, of course, yeah. the, the, the radial report and many patients that if they don't have adequate knowledge or they're quite uh, go for a toll of uh, worries and stress, and I see that quite common. So, so, so with every test, it has its own uh, benefit as well as uh, its negative points. So, so these are what we like to do, educate you that there are uh, hopefully um, uh, um, hope for future for early detection of the uh, pancreatic cancer. As uh, other diseases that we have mentioned in the past, um, pancreas and pancreatic disease uh, can be prevented with uh, um, better choices in our lifestyle. Um, I would smoking, al- excess of alcohol, uh, exercise, diabetes, and preventing uh, uh, disease. Uh, as we see with the diabetes, uh, acute pancreatitis, chronic pancreatitis, uh, these um, all uh, can be uh, prevented to certain extent by uh, making healthy choices in life. Not as much with uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, what do you think, Rob? But still, there's a rule. And there's a role for that uh, for prevention as well. There is a role here, and it's. Um, I think it. It this is, uh, this is a disease that is, very as we talked about. Um, we, we, we're still learning a lot about it, but clearly there are risk factors that are modifiable. Obesity, diabetes, alcohol, tobacco. Um, you can't change your genetics, but um, lifestyle can be modified. And this is something that um, you know, we can all start working on every day. So it's, 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 um, I think awareness is important, but also just an education about the, the risk factors and and inflammation, yeah. I think all of these things always start with inflammation and as well as tobacco and alcohol is probably the highest inflammatory thing that you can do to your body and process food and and lack of exercise. So so I think it, making the right healthy choices in your life um, is not for one part of your body, it's a total body and that including the pancreas. I completely agree. And it's uh, this is a, a disease that um, it's probably the pancreas cancer and brain tumors are probably our, our two hardest diseases right now. And in terms of the both the, the early diagnosis and the, the treatment are both very challenging for those. But we continue to push forward and um, and we will I'm, I'm sure there will come a day when we have better medical therapies for these diseases. And maybe maybe someday don't even need to do surgery anymore. Exactly. Well, stay healthy and thanks for listening. And uh... Uh, We'll talk about uh, uh, 
the new diagnostic uh, uh, in our new podcast. Uh, and uh, stay tuned. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.